Welcome to Seeking Scripture Deep Diving Bible Study. I'm Christy Jordan, and I want to help you develop a firsthand relationship with the whole Word of God. For links and graphics mentioned in my podcast, please visit the corresponding post on SeekingScripture.com. May Yahweh bless the reading of His Word. Good morning, siblings. Today's readings are Exodus 30 through 32. FYI, I found a really neat reference Bible that I've been using to get a better grasp on what we're studying. It has a lot of footnotes with dimensions of artifacts being given in our measurements, archaeological finds that lend more insight into our readings, etc. It's called the Archaeology Study Bible, and about half of most pages are archaeology study notes. It's just something I'm using as an additional reference. I have a link here in my notes if you'd like to check it out. Rabbit Trails Exodus 30, verses 1-5 through 5. We begin with details on how to construct the altar of incense. This measured about 18 inches square and about 36 inches high. Exodus 30, verse 9, is a reminder to Aaron and his sons. The father gave specific and detailed instructions to them with a reminder of, don't just start doing whatever you want. They had his instructions on how he wanted these offerings carried out, and he went out of his way to remind them not to do it any other way. The same goes for us in his word. We have every instruction we need. There's no need for us to go off the path and start forging our own. In Exodus 30, verse 13, we find one of the few places where we are commanded to give money in which everyone aged 20 and up was commanded to give one half shekel according to the sanctuary shekel. There were different shekel weights being used at the time, so this is why the specific standard of according to the sanctuary shekel is used here. Exodus 30, verses 20 through 21, are plain statements that end with reminders to take this seriously and with great reverence. The Father's not playing. There is a time to rejoice before the Father, and there is a time to sit up straight and take notes. Exodus 31 shows us an indwelling of the Holy Spirit within Bezalel. Read Exodus 31, verses 2 through 5, where it says, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood, to work in every craft. We often hear the Holy Spirit came in the New Testament, but a sound reading of the word shows that the Father's been sending his Holy Spirit to indwell in people of his choosing since the beginning, although he did send it in a mighty way later on for a very special purpose. We read that purpose in Ezekiel thirty-six twenty-seven, where it says, I will put my spirit in you and will see to it that you follow my laws and keep all the commands I give you. Here are some of the verses in which Yahweh put his spirit into people in the biggest part of the Bible that the world has declared old. Exodus 31, verses 1 through 3. Numbers eleven seventeen. Numbers 27, 18. Deuteronomy 34, 9. Psalm 51, 11. Judges 3.10, Judges 6.34, 
Judges 13, 25, Judges 14, 6, 1 Samuel 10, 9, and 1 Samuel 10, 10. Exodus 31, verses 12 through 17, has one of countless exhortations to keep the Father's Sabbath. An interesting note is that it's the only commandment that begins with, remember. The Father knows us well. Just as in earlier readings of Exodus, we see him using the term forever. Note again that he is speaking specifically to Israel, his chosen, called out, set apart people. These rules and commandments have been given exclusively to those who join themselves to him to be in covenant with him. Now, while we know that eventually every knee shall bow and obey, what a triple blessing to choose to willingly be in covenant with him now. Remember, if looking for who is Israel now, check out Israel 50, I'm sorry, Isaiah 56 and Romans 11. And dig into how olive trees are grafted and just who those rascally sojourners are, along with all the commandments on how they are to be treated. Exodus 31.18 Did you catch who wrote the commandments on the tablet of stone? Wow! As I've said before, I love these parts of the Bible because we see how every little detail matters to Yahweh. Throughout my life, I've heard and said, oh, as long as you mean well, God doesn't mind, or something to that effect, essentially saying that God doesn't really mind if we don't do things His way. But it's impossible to think that details don't matter to Him when we read His Word, especially when we step back and realize that these words are ones that were actually spoken by Him. I used to dismiss the possibility that Yahweh might care about the details. Until it came to my life, and then I wanted him to take notice of every little issue, infraction, grievance, and stressor that was affecting me. So, here's the good news. He always pays attention to the details. And here's the wake-up call. He always pays attention to the details. And this leads us right into the golden calf. Oh, mercy, mercy, mercy. Exodus 32, verses 1 through 6. Think about this. As Moses was up on the mountain making the covenant with Yahweh, his people were down below simultaneously breaking it. Not only that, but they built the golden golden calf, declared it to be Yahweh, whom they had seen in more mighty ways than any other people at this point, and declared this calf worship a festival to Yahweh. May he have mercy on us for doing the very same thing in his name today. And Aaron, the remaining leader and high priest, had gone along with it because this is what the people wanted. Not only that, but he declared that worshiping this calf was to be a holy day unto Yahweh. Whoa, I've lost track of how many lines we've crossed so far. What on earth would lead them to do this? It's simple. Culture, habit, and comfort. This is how they had always worshipped other gods and how the Egyptians had always worshipped other gods. It was familiar. It was what they were used to. It was their comfort zone. But hadn't the one true God called them away from all that? Yes, he had. And he had proven himself in countless ways sustained them, nourished them, rescued them time and again, preserved them while calamity was falling all around them and they stood in the midst watching it. 
He had prospered them both in wealth and in children. And yet, despite all of this, they still chose their culture, habit, and comfort over obedience to him. Yahweh was calling them out to a new way of life, one which held untold blessings for anyone who was obedient to him. He had called them to be a special set-apart people. But after all that he had done, they could have easily blended right back into Egypt to anyone who didn't know any better. Today's scripture calls us to seriously consider this in our own lives. In what ways are we choosing our culture, habit, and comfort over obedience to Yahweh? Speaking for myself, this is something I have to examine every day. And I've had to make some big changes in my life in order to get in line. I know there'll be many more still to come. It's all part of the journey. And what a blessing to have the Father's attentive guidance on this path through His love, His direction, and His Word. He really is so good to us and patient beyond comprehension as we stumble around and find our way. I thank our Father for bringing such wonderful brothers and sisters into my life along the way. Bonus round. In Exodus 32:20, check out what Moses did with the golden calf. In Exodus 32:32, we see a messianic pattern of Moses offering himself as a sacrifice for the Israelites. We also see a very important point in Exodus 32:33, wherein the father says that whoever has sinned against him, he will blot out of his book. Note that in order to be blotted out of a book, one must first appear in the book. Therefore, the person was saved, written in the book of life, and then removed. That's something to turn over in our minds today, because it contradicts a popular and beloved church doctrine, but wholly lines up with the rest of the Bible. There's a great addition about this section from Barbara Miller in our Facebook group. She said, Moses' prayer didn't change God, but it did change the standing of the people in God's sight. The people were now in a place of mercy, when before they were in a place of judgment. God did not destroy Israel, and he knew that he would not destroy Israel. Yet, he deliberately put Moses in the crucial place of intercession, so that Moses could display and develop God's heart for the people, a heart of love and compassion. Moses prayed just as God wanted him to, as if heaven and earth, salvation or destruction, depended on his prayer. This is how God waits for us to pray. Test everything. Hold tight to what is good. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 May Yahweh bless the reading of his word. I love y'all. Bye-bye.